Yes, but before we get into today's message, I did wanna just share a little bit about myself so that you can get to know me um, and my background a little bit better. My family and I started attending a Genesis Metro Church uh, back in 2006 when we were still in Pink Elementary. Uh, my dad uh, currently serves as a elder and he also plays guitar. Today he is out doing a hundred mile race, which is crazy. Um, and my mom also serves faithfully uh, with connections as well as sisterhood. And then I am one of four girls. I'm the second oldest, so that's probably why my dad is out just running um, for his life. Um, but we've been attending since 2006, and so that was about uh, 12 to 13 for me. So I can say that my, my sisters and I were raised in this church. And so through all the stages of our lives, the Borns and the church staff have really poured into me and have showed up for my family. And I wanted to give you a couple of quick examples of how they have done that. Uh, the first being, I remember uh, being in high school and my mom was going off to sisterhood retreat for the weekend and my sisters and I are gathered together and we're like, what are we gonna do about food, right? Because when mom's gone, dad's like, you know what we're gonna eat today? Cereal. You know what we're gonna eat tomorrow? cereal we're gonna have it all day every day and it's gonna be great and uh, we're like I don't want another bowl of cereal um, but before um, they left the Burbricks and the Salazars actually dropped off some award winning chicken enchiladas and oatmeal cake for my family uh, not only was it delicious but it made us feel loved and seen and cared for I remember when I first started serving um, back in the zone with our elementary students and uh, the littles came up to me and they said, hey, I think it's about time that you start teaching. And I was, I was nervous and I, I was also excited. And I remember Hollis coming up to me and saying like, hey, you got this. And if you don't, I have your back. I got you. And now I, I get to work alongside of them in ministry and we get to give each other feedback and coaching and really um, have this relationship where the iron is sharpening the iron. I remember singing Paper Rings by Taylor Swift with the rest of the She Staff, literally at the top of my lungs. We call ourselves the She Staff, uh, Little and Jill and Angela and Carrie and I, because sometimes it feels like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And some days get a little dark and I'm telling you, nothing will fix it quite like Taylor Swift and your friends. I remember this past uh, December, Carrie Bourne getting up on this lift to deck the heck out of that Christmas tree, okay? Um, when she was up there, I was, I was just handing her these ornaments. And I remember her saying over and over again, they're going to love this. They're going to love this. And as she spent hours on that Christmas tree, she was thinking of you. And she was thinking about me and the small little bit of joy that she might be able to bring during a crazy Corona Christmas season. I remember before um, I married my husband, six months prior, he moved in with the Bournes. That meant that uh, they were having to feed another very, very hungry boy, um, and they provided for his needs as well. And that took sacrifice, that took selflessness, and they did that on my behalf. But one, example I'd like to share was just from today. I will never forget all the encouraging texts that you have sent to me. 
saying that you're, you're praying over me and that you're, you're fighting on my behalf as I get up here on this stage to calm all my nerves. You've been there for me. And if I had time, I'd tell you how the fuse leaders and the sisterhood and the staff and the elders and the people that move these chairs and the people that greet at the doors, how their yes affected my life. And from sixth grade to now age 26, I've gotten to feel the love that First Thessalonians talks about. This church loved me so much that they were delighted to not only share the gospel, but their lives with me as well. Because the born said yes, and said, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for one person to experience life change. Gave the opportunity for the Galatas to say yes. When we were in a season of, of hurt and needed healing and needed hope, then gave the opportunity for the Kilbanes to say yes. And now I stand before you today just honored and privileged. And I can say that without a doubt, Genesis Metro is the best thing to have ever happened to me. The same ministry that I grew up in is the same ministry I get to participate in today. And the reason why I say yes is so other people can have the opportunity to say yes as well. But that is enough about me. I did want to get into today's message. I want to tell you about a story of a man in the Old Testament who, who needed a yes and how he went from hurting to healing and the process that that took. In 2 Kings 5, it says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. And if we just stop there, I think that we would be like, yes, yes, yes. He checks all the boxes, sign him up to be the next Avenger, right? Because he is basically like the Chuck Norris and the Liam Neeson, like all mixed together, okay? So if you are going to do a schoolyard pick for your army, you better be picking Naaman first. He was a valiant soldier. But then if we look at the rest of that sentence, it says, but he had leprosy. And I think it's so funny that the Bible just is kind of like, oh, he was a valiant soldier and he had le uh, leprosy. Let's just keep going and move on. And I think that if we really picked apart uh, those last couple of words, we would see uh, the gravity of that situation that he was in. You know, because leprosy was his paralysis problem. It's an incurable disease, and it actually starts on the outside with terrible, horrible, excruciating sores and works its way to the inside, and you actually die from organ failure. With this lep uh, leprosy, all the people that had it, they were, they were cast out. Nobody wanted them around. They were like, hey, you guys are dirty, unclean, and, and you're sick. We don't want you to be around us. So they had to leave behind their family and their friends, and everything that they had ever known, and were cast out. Man, Naaman went from captain and conqueror to now a castaway. And verse two, it says, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, 
he would cure him of his leprosy. Be like, um, excuse me, hold the phone. What, what, what did you just, did you say that you know a guy that can cure an incurable disease? Like if I was Naaman's wife, I'd be like, say it louder for Naaman in the back because we, we need to go right now, right? I don't know about you, but if I was Naaman, I, I would be like, hmm, that's a little sus, a little suspicious, okay? Like that's all, you know, a prophet that lives in Samaria, like, okay, really? Like, I'm a person that needs all of the information. Like, just, just give me more if you have it. So I'd be like, um, can you please tell me the prophet's name so I can Google them, so I can creep on their Facebook, so I can ask Alexa all that she knows about the history of how many times he's cured leprosy, okay? I, I, I am just one person that I just, I'm like, let me just indulge in all the information I can possibly have. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, Alexa, uh, what's the current temperature outside? What's the high and low for today? What's, when, when's the sunrise? When is, when is it going to set? And, and is there going to be uh, any rain for today? Do I need to know all this information? No. Do I like that I can know all of this information? Yes, okay? So with Naaman, he, he only had to go off of this lady's word. Like he couldn't Google anything or ask Alexa. He just had to go off of her word. What an unlikely hero that we found in this girl that just says, hey, I know a guy. Man, this girl is telling Naaman how he can get healed, and he has a choice on how he's going to respond. Why would he listen to this girl and go off of just her word? Man, I hope today that you would say yes to sensitivity when God is providing answers through people that might be unexpected. That was not a point, just a side point, a little side note. Pastor Tim would say that that one was for free. So stick that in your pocket and save it for later. But to catch you up on what's happening in this story. So we have uh, this girl that says like, hey, I know a guy. So Naaman, of course, is like, oh, okay. Well, maybe, you know what? What do I have to lose? I'm going to go ahead and try this out. So he goes to the king of Aram and he's like, hey, king of Aram. Yeah, um, I know this girl that knows this guy that says that he can heal me of my leprosy. What do you think? The king of Aram is like, brilliant. Yes, here are all these things and let me send you with this letter. And yes, go see this, this guy that you're talking about. And so uh, Naaman, he takes all of his things, basically caravans all the way to the king of Israel. He finds the king of Israel and he's like, hey, okay, listen, there's this girl that knows this guy, the king, I told the king of Aram, he told me to come to you, and so now I'm here, so take all of these things and also go ahead and, and just read this letter. So he opens up this letter and it says, hi, um, please cure Naaman of his leprosy, thank you. And the king of Israel is like, what? Cure, cure him of, of his leprosy? Like, I, I can't do that. What, do they think I am God? And he basically like has this panic attack and he's like, I don't know what to do. And now we're probably going to go to war because I can't cure mama's leprosy. And in a dramatic fashion, just like rips his robes and is like, no. Okay. But then we pick up in verse eight and it says, when Elisha, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. 
So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So I hope you can see what is happening. He had to go to this girl that led him to this king, that led him to this other king, and then he had to go to Elisha's house. So we have to say yes to the process. Naaman was saying yes to going to a place that he was not wanted and not welcomed. I think there's uh, two people, two types of people in this world, okay? You have um, one type of person, and they're the type of person that will go through the process. So it's like, oh, if I want to get to step five, that means I have to do step one, two, three, and four. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go do those things, be a little bit proactive, get to the, my end results, okay? And then over here on the other side is the type of person that does nothing, okay? I like to call these people millennials, okay? It's okay, we all make fun of millennials, it's no big deal, even I make fun of millennials. I even like did a quick Google search and then I, I figured out that I am a millennial, so I was like, ah! They're my people, it's okay, I can do this, not a big deal. So let me tell you a little thing about us, millennials, okay? We are really good at being self-aware, okay? And you're like, no, you're not. You're not good at being self-aware, millennials. Oh, no, 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 let me put it to you this way. Um, we're good at knowing what is wrong, okay? Um, and I'm not really sure how healthy that is, um, but we're really good um, at knowing what's wrong, but that doesn't mean that like we're gonna get any better, <laughs> okay? Uh, so like a millennial, he might walk up to you and they're like, hey, listen, just wanted to let you know, um, I have a really big problem with being late. And you're like, oh, okay, no big deal. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what steps are you taking to be better at that? Like, are you waking up a little bit earlier? Are you making sure um, that you're gonna be here on time? They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'm not doing anything about it. I just wanted you to know so you could work around it, okay? Um, there, there might be another one that's like, um, hey, listen, listen. Uh, I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. And you might be like, oh, okay. No big deal, that's totally fine. What are you doing? Are you like making sure you have a checklist? Are you, are you trying to meet deadlines? And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing anything. Um, that's just who I am, okay? This is literally from the mouth of a millennial. This is what we like to say, okay? So, so Naaman, he had a choice. He could either say yes to the process or he could say no and do nothing. And I wonder how many people are suffering and dying because they're staying in the same place, unwilling to say yes to the journey that leads to healing. Man, wouldn't it be sad if Naaman died a terrible death when healing was available just a journey away? Wouldn't it be sad if a marriage died when godly counsel was just a phone call away? Wouldn't it be sad if a friendship was separated for life when healing was just a conversation away? Wouldn't it be sad if you got into a job that you hated for the rest of your life when a God path was only a prayer away? Man. If you stay where you're at, it's not going to improve. I hope that you would say yes to the process. 
and verse 10. It says, Elisha went uh, to, uh, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over my spot and cure my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Let me, let me set this scene for you a little bit, okay? Uh, Naaman is very unhappy. He's like, oh, listen, you know, the Jordan doesn't sound like a good river to me. If I had things my way. I would choose these other rivers because I think that that would probably be a better option, okay? Because I think that maybe I know a little bit more than maybe God knows. And so I, I'm going to just offer my suggestion. What I can imagine is he's standing there and he's literally shouting to God and he's like, God, you are my fire. You're my one desire. But believe me when I say, that I want it that way, okay? He's literally like, God, hey, listen, I know, I know that you created the entire world, okay? I know, you know how many hairs are on my head, and I know that you put the sun and the earth at the just the right distance so that we could have life. But listen, God, do you really know how to cure leprosy? Because if I had it my way, I would just make a suggestion. I went back and I, I did a little bit of research about this Backstreet Boys song, okay? That sounds super lame. I'm just like Googling what the, what does the Backstreet Boys song mean, okay? And um, the critics were like, oh, we don't know, okay? Uh, because a lot of the lyrics, they kind of do something this way and then it's that way and then it's basically, like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And they even told the Backstreet Boys that they're like, uh, we don't get what this song is. And they're like, listen, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because the people will relate to I want it that way. And then it became a hit song that we're still singing today. Isn't that crazy? That we relate so much to wanting the things the way that we want them to be. Man, I think sometimes we get here to this place and we know what we're supposed to do. And, and we want God to, to give us some relief. But we don't always like the way that he asks us to give it to him. Because he asks us to surrender. And I think there's a lot of self-reliance and pride and sometimes fear that makes us just cling to the things that we want God to fix. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? But I think we all have a little bit of crazy in all of us. Naaman came all this way just to say no, because he didn't think that it would fit the way that he, he thought that it should go. I think about this with um, the rich young ruler, and he comes up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, tell me what it takes to be your disciple. Tell me. I want to know, and I want to do it. Jesus is like, okay, yeah, no problem. Just go and sell all of your things, and come immediately follow me. And in the year of yes, the rich young ruler said no. 
He said he'd wanted Jesus, but when he was told the way to become a disciple, he walked away and said, no. I think about the time where uh, Jesus was explaining to his disciples how um, he was going to go to the cross. And Peter stood up and he was like, no, no, I will not let that happen. Let me, let me think of a better plan. Let me think of a different way because Jesus, that, that is not happening. But what he was really saying was, hey, Jesus, no, no, no. You can't go to the cross to save the world. Man, our nobility of what we think is right is not in alignment. And sometimes righteousness requires sacrifice. We have to be willing to say yes to self-denial. It says this in the Bible. It says, take up your cross and follow me. It says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Man, think oftentimes we think we know what we're doing. We think we know better and we cling to the things that we want God to fix. But if we would just let them go, if we would just surrender them to God, I think we could find healing today. In verse 13, it says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to go do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? You see, Naaman had to lose his own preconceptions. He had his gods of his culture and the way that he was raised, and he had to surrender those things because the process isn't always pretty. It might not always be the way that we think that it should go. You see, uh, with Naaman, he, he had a little bit of a good point. Let me, let me put it to you in um, perspective of the pretty rivers that he was talking about looks a lot uh, like this. As you can see, when you look at that, you're like, yes, that's a type of river I would want to go to and dip in seven times and be cleansed, right? That's a type of river that I think is pretty enough to make sure that I'm healed, that I'm, I'm clean. But then this is the river that Elisha had told him to go to, the Jordan River, which as you can see, not as great, a little bit more dirty. And I'm sure when Naaman was told to go to this river, he was like, what? what? How? How can something dirty. How can something that's not pretty make me clean, restore me, make me whole again? Hmm. Man, I think if you saw what he looked like when he carried that cross up that hill, I think if you saw the crown of thorns that was dug into his skull and the stripes on his back and the nails in his hands, I think if you heard the cry of his mom and if you saw his tear-stained eyes, I don't think any disciple that day would say that that was pretty. But I do know that it worked.
The Bible says, though your sins were like scarlet, messed up, not clean, broken, and dirty, he washed them white as snow. I think of this picture of Naaman in, in verse 14 and how he humbled himself and he got in that dirty river. And I think the first time that he got in, he was worried, wondering if God was going to show up for him. And I think the second time and the third time when he came up, he was hoping that God would show up for him. And then the fourth time and the fifth time and the sixth time that he came up, man, he was praying, saying, God, please, please, please show up for me like I know you can. And he dipped in that water for the seventh time. And this is what it says. It says his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Man. Jesus' yes to the cross is a yes that should inspire all of us. I think it actually demands a yes from all of us. He did that so that Naaman could find healing and restoration in the Jordan River. Man, I don't know what you're holding on today. I don't know if you're crying out to God and you're saying, hey, I have this in my life and I've been clinging to it and I, I, I want it the way that I want it to go. But man, today, if you would just wade into the rivers, I think that God would show up for you today because grace works. It works. He can heal, he can restore, and he can redeem any situation that's going on in your life. Man, today, I hope that we would say yes to the process. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for who you are, that you are a faithful God that sees us, Lord God. Uh, sometimes we may feel weak, Lord. After we've gone from a victory, Lord God, now we're in a valley. And I pray that today that you would show us that you have not abandoned us, that you are still here, and that if we would just surrender to you, Lord God, if we would just say yes to going through the steps, to being obedient to you, to walking in the way that you have called us to walk, even if it isn't pretty, Lord God, that you would bring about healing and make our hearts 